Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you're listening to the How They Blog podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with inspiring bloggers and show you how to build a blog that makes a difference. After you listen to this episode, head over to howtheyblog.com for all the show notes, more interviews, and resources to help you grow your blog. Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you're listening to episode number 33 of the How They Blog podcast, and today we're chatting with Ann Bogle, and we're going to be talking about how blogging fits in with everything else that we do. She has a job, she's a wife and a mom, and she homeschools. Now, whether any or all or none of those labels apply to you, you're going to be able to glean some great tips from the insight that she shares today about balance and decision-making and prioritizing and um, it's just going to be, it's good stuff. And I want to make a note that there are several links that we talk about in this podcast, uh, particularly referring to Myers-Briggs, that will be located in the show notes. So once you're done listening or while you're listening, be sure to head over to howtheyblog.com and grab the show notes for this episode so that you can take action on some of the stuff that you hear. Also in this episode, Anne talks about her son's battle with cancer, and there's a little bit of information and stuff like that in the show notes as well, because she doesn't really go through the whole thing, but I know some of you might be wondering how he's doing. So be sure to check out those show notes at howtheyblog.com. Now, before we get into the episode today, I want to give a huge thanks to Carlin K and The Hill Hangout and TXPK Stew for leaving reviews on iTunes. That just, honestly, that makes my day. That is my blogging or my podcasting, I guess, my podcasting currency. I love reading those comments and it, it means so much to me, not just because it encourages me to know that you guys are being impacted by the stuff that I share and the work that I do, but every comment, every rating helps expose how they blog to more listeners. And hopefully the contact, content that I share can help them as well. So I just thank you for taking the time to do that. I know that time is money or time is rest or time is all these things that we could be doing. And to know that that you guys, Carlin K, The Hill Hangout, and TXPK Stew, I so wish I could use real names because that would sound so much nicer. But um, knowing that you guys took that time out to leave a review and to leave a comment too, I really, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate that. It, it motivates me a ton. Now, Ann Bogle, she writes at modernmrsdarcy.com. She is the author of the book, How She Does It. And Ann and her husband will have four kids. And as you're going to find out in our chat, she's kind of into Myers-Briggs stuff. So let's go ahead and jump into our talk today with Ann Bogle. Hey, Anne. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hi, Kat. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I want to warn you and everybody else listening that my son is homesick today. Can you say hi, buddy? No, he can't. He's actually got <laughs> headphones on and he's watching Jake and the Neverland Pirates. So anyway, if you hear chomping in the background, that would be my boy. And I think it's appropriate that he is home today and hanging out with me in my office while we record this show because that's actually a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, you wrote a fantastic book called How She Does It. And we're going to be talking today all about just really how to how to balance it all. Obviously, we can't actually achieve perfect balance, but just the pursuit of that and the pursuit of figuring out how work fits into the rest of our lives um, in this in this season of life is what we're going to be chatting about. But before we dive into that, I would love for you, Anne, just to tell us a little bit about you and your family and your online story. Okay. Um, let's see. I have 
I'm married to Will. We've been married for almost 14 years, wow. which I still blows my mind, and it's my life. Um, we have four kids. The oldest is 11, and the youngest is four. And I started blogging totally on a whim uh, about three years ago. Will and I were just sitting around making New Year's resolutions. And for some reason, he said, you should start a blog. And I said, I don't read blogs. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? And he told me why. And I'm um, probably too open to suggestion in general. I'm like, oh, you're right. I should start a blog. So um, like, I brainstormed ideas and post topics and got it going a few months later. Wow. That's so fun that he was so supportive of it. And it was ultimately his idea. Is he now saying, well, now that you started that blog, I suggested. <laughs> no, no, he's not. We've he's been very supportive and helpful. He comes up with a lot of my good ideas. Oh, that's... You know, my, my, my quote, good ideas. A lot of them are <laughs> right. I think I think the book, How She Does It, was his idea. So, so a friend of mine who I'd been mentoring said, I wish you'd write a post about that. And I told Will that I was going to write a post about that. And he said, whatever. Like, you have 10,000 words to say about that. Or, or you know. So that's, that was the birth of the book, the idea. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. So tell us a little bit about your blog name. Modern Mrs. Darcy? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Well, it was designed to embarrass men when they asked me where I blog. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I really, I always feel kind of sheepish depending on who I'm talking to about the blog name. Uh, it doesn't have deep meaning, except it does come from Jane so I love Jane Austen. I'm not a rabid Janeite, and I don't have a Regency dress, but I <laughs> and thought so. Modern Mrs. Darcy is Elizabeth Bennet, all grown up, and um, the blog doesn't have a lot to do with that, but it gives me an excuse to have a good Jane Austen post every now and again. Well, and I love it because it it automatically connects you to people who love that book as well. And so I'm curious. I wonder actually how many men would actually recognize what your title is about. How many men are really aware of, if you say Mrs. Darcy? I have no idea. And I don't know how to find out because I've done reader surveys that show me that 5% of my readers are male, but they self-select. So I don't know how the population at large, like, do you know what this might be talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Interesting question. Um, So I have one more question for you that is along those lines. Which is your, so do you, are you exclusively a book fan or do you, did you watch the movies as well? And if so, which one is your favorite? Oh, that's right. Have you still only seen the 2005 one with Kira Knightley? Will you hate I me forever if I have? No, I'm not okay, a good. purist. So, okay. um, no, I like the books and the movies. Do you, which there's so, for everybody listening, um, Pride and Prejudice, there's two movies and sometimes it's kind of like the, um, you know, you're either a, I'm not thinking of a good example right now, but, you know, I know. Yeah. Never mind. I can't think of a good example. Actually, there are four movies. There are four. mm -hmm, But there's only two worth seeing. Okay. Well, there you go. So there's the A&E version and then there's the Kira Knightley version. Which one is your favorite? Do you have one? Um, If I had to pick, I'd probably pick the one with Jennifer Ella and Colin Firth, but I like them both. So Jennifer Ella's little stayed and I like how Kira is you know, a little wilder and rambunctious. And also you can knock that out in an evening and you can't do that with a six hour BBC one. That's why I haven't, that's why I haven't seen that one because yeah, it, because it's it worth it hours. though. And it's, um, at least recently it was free to watch for Amazon prime members huh. or totally worth it for two bucks an episode. Maybe we someday, should just, sometime. Yeah, maybe we should just have a, a blog movie watching party 
where we all watch the six-hour thing in like one week and then chat about it on Facebook or something. Summer's coming, you know? That's seriously, terrible. seriously. And, you know, this. you may think, you may be listening and think, well, this has nothing to do with blogging. But actually, you're, you're completely right. But it is just my favorite, my favorite book, one of my favorite books. And I love that movie. It's one of the only movies that I actually purchased because I don't really rewatch movies except for that one. Yeah. So moving on to the blogging, but it all really does come back around because the idea behind modern Mrs. Darcy is just you trying to figure out, you know, how, you know, the role of the modern woman and, and how she balances everything that she's trying to do in life. And um, so you wrote this ebook and it's called How She Does It. And it says every woman's guide to breaking old rules, getting creative and making time for work in your actual everyday life. And on my blog, I have this email newsletter that goes out and I ask, often ask the question, what is your biggest challenge or your biggest frustration right now? And the hands down answer that I get the most is women trying to figure out the balance. How can they make time for this new passion of blogging that they found in the midst of everything else that they already have going on? And if you're a male listener, you just haven't emailed me back and I'm not trying to exclude you. But yeah, I'm sure just, you know, for anybody listening that's, you know, a guy as well or a woman who's working full time outside the home and trying to blog, it's a struggle really that we all have in some shape or form. So what obviously your friend helped you helped inspire you to write this book, but what are some of the thoughts that were going through your head that that, you know, gave you the idea to actually turn it into a book and think that you had enough to say to make it a whole book instead of just a post. Mm. Okay. Well, I don't think this is a topic anybody is going to exhaust anytime soon. Um, but really my heart behind it was, um, I grew up, I grew up just not knowing, um, what my options were. Like when I was born in 78 and when I was in high school and college, I thought that there were two choices that I could grow up to be a stay-at-home mom or I could grow up to be a working mom. Um, I met my husband like in late high school. We've known since we were like before 20, we were going to get married. So when I was like looking forward and planning my life, I assumed that 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 option would be in my future. I know not everybody's um, in that shoes and wants to walk that path, but because we met so young, um, that was the situation I found myself in. And I just... You know, a lot of women, especially in my experience, just from the women I know, a lot of women who grew up in certain circles of the Christian faith assume that it's all or nothing. And um, that maybe that used to be the case in most professions, but it's just not that way anymore. And it breaks my heart how many women would contact me, especially through my blog. And before three years ago, it was talking with friends over coffee about how, um, you know, they have, they have these passions to do so much more and they feel like they have things to offer the world outside their families, but um, either they feel like they lock themselves in by choices they made previously or previously, or they just didn't want to commit to being a, you know, put on a suit and high heels for the office from eight to six every weekday kind of life. And the point of the book was to say, like, things have changed and you have more options and you can make better choices if you know what your options are. That was the idea behind it. What was your journey to getting to that point? So how did you discover there were other options? How did you realize that there is another way, that, uh, you know, that there were all these things that you could do from home? Did you start out, like when you got married, did you start off working somewhere? I or did. did you... I, I started off working. Um, though, honestly, like I did kind of limit myself and what I wanted to do professionally because I didn't think I'd be at it 
very long. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, my writing career now has given me a second chance. Um, Otherwise, I would have major, major regrets about that decision. Um, Yeah, so I started working. I was going to work. We got pregnant a little earlier than we had expected with um, number one. I was 24 when we had our son, Jack. And my plan had been to work part-time from home. Well, I tell the story in the book about how my plan had been to quit to stay home. And I was persuaded into staying on part-time because I had experience and, you know, could, could still do my, uh, an important segment of my job from home or off normal work hours, mm-hmm. which was important to me. I didn't want to need to get like daycare for him. And, um, he just, we found out down the road that he had sensory processing issues and I just, I could not deal. Like I was not, he didn't sleep through the night till he was five. Um, wow. and I mean, I wasn't a zombie for five years, but I really was a zombie for to. And um, I ended up quitting to stay home. I stayed home for about a year. And then our story is my husband went to grad school. My son was suddenly diagnosed with cancer and we were, um, I was pregnant and we were broke. So we were making ends meet, but barely. And we had, you know, student loan debt and just young and poor and medical bills like out the wazoo. So um, I went back to to my previous office. I went part-time. My husband in school was in school, so he was working a non-traditional schedule. Um, I fit in my office hours around his schedule. I went back to work and was suddenly like, oh, like there are things to do besides build block towers and train tracks. And as much as I love to do those things, um, my brain was delighted at, to have those opportunities again. So that's when I started um, back at the office. And we just found that really worked well for our family. Um, It was good for Will to realize um, what it's like to be home with kids for eight hours at a stretch. It was good for me to realize that maybe he didn't want like a bullet point checklist of everything we did while he was away from home that Mm -hmm. day. Um, It was just, it was a really good experience. And we did that for um, many years. And then what happened next? (sighs) What happened next? Uh, well, we're still on that continuum. Um, Will graduated, and now he works a eight to five again. Um, I kept pretty steady at my previous work. I was a uh, real estate paralegal, so I kept steady at that work for a few years. And just in the past few years, I've started writing. Um, you know, he's in his steady workaday job now. Um, I've been ramping up my writing um, and backing down my hours at the law firm. And um, we, at a certain point when I started writing, I'm not sure how much to tell you in answer to one question, but um, at a certain point when I started writing more and taking it more seriously, we we brought on some help. We have a babysitter doesn't seem to do her justice, what she does for us, but we have someone who comes about hours a week to help. And the kids are with my mom um, one day a week, which helps a lot. Um, We just continue to evolve our family work dynamic so that I spend 20, 25 hours a week working. He has a normal 40 hours, which is probably more like 50 or 55 job. And uh, we're both really happy with where we are professionally. Oh, I should say right here, we homeschool our kids. So that's that's a big reason that we have the help. Um, when we started homeschooling, my husband was around during the week to do some of the homeschooling. And now he's not, and it's just on me. And I really needed somebody to help me with that. Wow. So that, that is, oh, that is a whole lot on your plate. So does he, do you primarily, you know, 
lead the homeschooling as far as picking curriculum and, and figuring out what they're going to be working on every day? Um, or is that still something, is that something that he does each day? Um, we haven't made any major, we made one major change this year when we switched math curriculums, but really for the curriculum we're on autopilot. So, and it's always just, you, the kids know they do the next lesson. Mm-hmm. We have foundational decisions, which helps a lot. And how, so in the midst of working and homeschooling and motherhood, is writing a passion that you've always had and that's naturally kind of fit in? And if not, how have you made time for that? Um, it is a passion I've always had. For many years, I was just a journaler. Um, at a certain point, I realized that the favorite part of my legal job was doing the writing. Mm-hmm. And if you writing legal briefs, then you you really like writing. <laughs> so so um, I think that's why my husband knew to suggest a blog, even though I didn't quite see myself how much I use that as an outlet. I just kind of thought this is what people do. And I didn't realize that that was unique. Not that there aren't tons of writers, but not everybody likes to process things and engage with the world by picking up a pen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of everything that you're doing, what are some rhythms that you've adopted that have helped you to at least at some level stay on top of things and feel like you have all your plates spinning um, in the way that you need to? Well, it's really helped me a lot. Um, Well, first of all, when I realized that time management for for me, and maybe for everybody, but especially for me, is about managing my energy as much as it is blocks on my calendar. That was a huge, huge um, breakthrough. It really changed the way I approach things. Um, like I know that even though my kids have, we call it rest time. Nobody naps anymore, but that's the one time a day when they can watch a half hour DVD, and they're supposed to read books or listen to audiobooks or do art or you know projects like that by themselves in the afternoon. Um, I thought I had always planned on that as writing time. Like, oh, this is my alone time. I should be able to write. And once I realized I cannot like compose a first draft during that time where they may be asking me questions and I'm always dragging after lunch, um, that helped a lot. So I know that like that's my time of day where I read email and I try to read a little bit just for my own sake in that time. Um, and then the times of day where I have high energy, like first thing in the morning, I love to write. Um, I've learned that I work better out of home than I do from home. We live next door to a library for like two more days. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's probably like, that's just, I'm sure the ideal for you. It's been amazing, but we're moving on Friday and we're going to have to the library for the first time ever. It breaks my heart. <laughs> but um, I've just learned that I, what I need to do to focus. And a lot of time that means going to a coffee shop or to the library, um, getting up early. I've learned that using, that I don't get nearly as much done if I don't use the margins in my day. Mm-hmm. Like hard to get up early, but when I do, and it doesn't even have to be super early. It can be 6.30. Um, I can say that now because my kids don't wake up at 5.30 like they did a couple of years ago, but you know, knock on wood, we're past that. <laughs> but the early morning time or the after bedtime, it makes a huge difference in how much I can get done. Was it ever a challenge for you um, knowing that you work best 
away from your family? I, I know I've interviewed other bloggers who will say, oh, I work best when I'm at the kitchen table and the kids are all around me. I think this is actually Haley Morgan in, in a recent episode. She said she she does a lot of her best work when the kids are just all around her and she's you know getting drinks and in the middle of doing stuff. And I was listening to that thinking, I'm like, that would that would be my absolute worst state of mind <laughs> to work in. And well, But sometimes I hear that and feel a little guilty, like, why can't I work in the midst of that? Did you ever go through that process or did you always know that where you work best and how you work best? It took me a little while to articulate it, but I knew that I couldn't write when, um, when people are talking to me. So I, I cannot focus when people are talking to me. Um, so I, I do work at the kitchen table, but when I do, I'm editing photos or writing emails or even I can proofread. You know, there's lots of um, writing and blogging tasks that I can do when my kids are all around, but, but I can't write a draft of something. So I write a lot of essay-driven posts, which are time-consuming and like linear thought is not, not really easy for me. So I know that I need to be able to concentrate. And I just don't even bother to do that anymore when my kids are in the room. And I do have a workspace in the home that I do use a lot. Um, but even when nobody's home, there's something about being away from your dishes and your laundry. Yeah. And, you know, just the, oh, I should go hang up the towel in the bathroom. You know, like when that's not in sight, it's easier for me to focus. It's kind of like rescue time but with my space instead of my computer. Yes, yes, that's so good. I know that I have a little closet office and even if the rest of the house is a disaster, if I can come in here and it's tidy, then I feel like I can just focus and get some work done. And it's so helpful for me to just not be thinking and looking at the dishes that need to be washed or whatnot. And I can just churn out some work and get it done. Your blinders on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because there's always something to be distracted by. There's always something crying for our attention, you know, especially when we are at home working on stuff. Um, now, is blogging something that you, and feel free to not answer this if you don't want to, or I can edit it out, but something that you eventually hope to do full-time, or is that something on your radar? You know, that's something I've been thinking about a lot the past six months, because you reach a certain point um, where you realize that it will take as much time as you can give it. Mm -hmm. um, I've had to think really hard about what opportunities I want to accept and which ones I want to pass on. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So we're doing homeschooling one year at a time with our kids, just making the best decision for them you know, for the next school year and then revisiting it each fall. So that would, be, um, that would definitely be a factor. Right now, I feel like we're we're doing what's best for everyone in our family, and there definitely could come a time when that changes, like when they need something else or when I do, but right now it works. Awesome. So in your book, you talk about a couple different things, and one of them, you mentioned setting priorities um, for your family and for your budget and, and for yourself. How do you go about setting those priorities? How do you pick what is most important? Is that a long day long thing where you go to a cabin somewhere and you just try to figure those out or what process do you go through to come up with those? I've never spent a day in a cabin. <laughs> I know, but that's the dream, right? My husband and I have had a lot of nice talks after bedtime or just, you know, talking with a friend that you feel gets you um, can really be helpful. Um, a lot of times I've had good luck backing into my priorities. Like 
the thing in my life that is like bringing me to tears or that really hurts or that fills me with dread when I start to think about it um, has been has been a useful self-examination tool. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what is making me crazy? What makes me feel like I'm coming unglued? Like, maybe I should attack that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the obvious ones, like the budget needs to balance and everybody needs to get enough sleep, generally be getting along with each other because um, it's hard to get along when everybody's stressed out. Have you ever, in the midst of working and blogging, have you ever felt like you just need to give up the blogging thing, like you couldn't handle it anymore? Or is it just such a passion of yours that you've just been able to be consistently faithful with it over the past three years? Tell me about that, any kind of struggle that you've had, because really you're doing three things, and a lot of people just struggle with doing two things. How have you managed to to keep all of that going and stay on track with that? Well, one of the ways I've managed to keep going is to back off the third thing, my law firm job, is I've ramped up the the blogging. So that has made a really big difference. Um, oh, Kat, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, how have you been able really just to balance the, the three things and keep them spinning? Has blogging been... So you kind of answered it in the sense of blogging isn't the thing that you've backed off on, but it's real, rather your law firm job that you've backed off on in the process of growing your blog. So you answered it. You, right. you already did it. Well, really, I feel like I'm the outlier here, but like I've never... I've really never thought about quitting. Like when we, um, when I started blogging, um, like I, I don't know, I decided how often I was going to do it. And I, you know, had post ideas and plans and everything. And since that time, like I've put up, I used to post three times a week and now it's five or six. Um, and that could definitely go back down in the future. But like I committed to blogging regularly. And so far, like I've never really felt burned out or like I needed a big break or anything like that. I mean, it's something I do that's part of my life that I really enjoy. And I've treated it like a job pretty much from the beginning. I mean, even though from the beginning, like I wasn't making any money at all, but I did approach it with that same kind of mindset. And I just, you know, like I go to my law firm job even when I don't want to because it's my job. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's like a bad thing. It's, you know, it's a job. That's what it is. Kind of with blogging, I've approached it like a job and I hope in a good way. You know, when it's time to write, I really need to write because I need to, I need to get it done. And so I need to sit down and (laughs) I heard Anne Lamott at um, a conference in Michigan last month and she said, you know, inspiration is not a tool that has proven useful to me. And I laughed at that because it's so true. Like I don't, I feel like if I waited to get inspired, I wouldn't do anything because be a perfectionist and feel like I'm not going to meet my own standards and say, oh, forget it. I'm going to go walk the dog. So, mm-hmm. so I just try to, or I mean, I think, I think my body is hopefully trained to like when it's time to write, you sit down and you write and you put it up and I read enough to convince myself it's practice. Like it's all practice. You just put it out there and you do it again the next day. And so that's how I've approached it. Now, maybe I'll have this massive epic blogging burnout meltdown. <laughs> But so far, that's how I've approached it, and it's worked. But I've had to make tweaks in my life so that I'm, like, actually able to do that because you really can only fit so much in a day. So is Anne Lamont the one that said, um, I think something like, amateurs wait for inspiration, professionals just sit down and write. Somebody said that. Have you heard that quote? Stephen Pressfield to me. Stephen Pressfield. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. I love that. And that, that actually was very convicting to me when I heard it. 
because I, I'm I'm not a person who naturally likes to write. I, I, it's my tool to communicate with people, but not something that I naturally do. And so I would often just wait for inspiration. And fortunately, for several years, I was just inspired a lot. But when I heard that quote, I was like, ooh, that's that's good. I need to just be consistent. And whether I feel inspired or not, to just sit down and do the craft and just get, get content created and just write. I loved that. Or podcast or, you know, whatever. Or, it is. Right, or podcast or whatever. Well, at the time it was writing. Now, now it's actually been helpful for me to realize kind of what my strengths are and where my passions lie. And it's, it's gearing a little bit more towards podcasting. And I do want to go back to writing more, but I'm just taking the season to figure out the whole podcasting thing. But um, just figuring out what our passions are. Now, I know that you're super into um, like personality stuff. Like, I know, Myers-Briggs and all that. And I'd love to know how your knowledge of yourself and your personality type has played into how you blog and how you work and mother and balance all of that. So first, will you just tell us what your personality type is? I'm an INFP. What does that mean for anybody who doesn't know? Um, it means I dwell in possibility. Uh, I am not a good linear thinker. Um, I... I am good at seeing loose connections. I'm intuitive. Um, I really don't care how much evidence you produce to convince me of something if I just don't have a good feeling about it. And I'm saying that kind of like with a smile on my face. Like I can understand that that sounds ridiculous, but I still recognize that that's how my brain wants to operate. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm in Enneagram type nine, which okay, so is... I don't know what that is. What, what is that? That's fine. Um, it means the Enneagram defines people by their negative side more than their positive. It means that I hate and fear conflict and deal with it very badly. Ah. So, but I can see both those things in my blogging, like on Modern Mrs. Darcy, um, the tagline could really be like, I dwell in possibility. And I just like to talk about options and possibilities and open your eyes to new, not like brand new ideas like FastCo Design does, but just like new ways of looking at something ordinary. And that's a very INFP way to approach blogging. Now in the show links, can I get some, do you have sites that we could send people to that where they can figure out what their personality types are? Are you aware of Stuff. online tests and them to you yeah yeah that'd be great because i think that's so helpful i i know a little bit about it i'm an enfp last time i checked although sometimes people question that but that's what that's what it told me um and I'm gonna, but i'm not good at typing people you, you what i guess there was a j in there yeah i think i'm really on the line with that one and i kind of go back and I, I, yeah, it's really close, I think, between the two. It depends on my mood and maybe how much coffee I've had for the day. Um, it's like between the P and the J, which is frustrating because, you know, I want to know which Harry Potter character he is. But <laughs> you choose two boxes. You know, those BuzzFeed, you know. Yes, yes. That's actually the only reason why I know what mine is because there was one for Downton Abbey. And I never remember the whole little letter combination that I am, but I remember that... Um, I was Anna from Downton Abbey, but then I was also sometimes, or I, I was also kind of close to being Mary as well. Okay. I, I felt like in the description, I, I clicked with Mary also, even though my little test said that I was Anna. So, well, you're not Thomas. Right, 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 right. Definitely. Or Mrs. Whatever her name is. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't remember her name, the mean lady. Anyway, but I do think that knowing more about your personality and how you click and how you work is so helpful, especially if you're trying to balance different things. And especially really as a, a mom and as a blogger, when there's no one in charge of you telling you exactly what you need to do and exactly how you need to do it, it's really important to know your personality and what's going to work for you so that you can just be okay with that. Because, you know, sometimes I would really like to be this really fun crafting mom who does crafts, but I know that my personality is not really to do crafts. I'm more, let's go out and go for a hike. Let's go play sports. Let's go do something. And I've become okay with that. And the fact that I don't do crafty stuff and I just take my kids to friends' houses (laughs) if we want to have a big crafting day. And so with blogging as well, it's so important just to know what your personality is and, and, and how you're going to thrive in different situations. Um, and blogging is so much, um, something that you do alone or at mm-hmm. least behind the computer screen. And it's so good to know, like, do you need that alone time to feel whole or is that alone time going to be draining to you and how to work that into the rest of your day? And yeah, it's really, it's a good factor for people who spend a lot of time on screens by themselves, I mm-hmm. think. And to also know as well that if, it, you know, I do have a very a very E part of me, which is extrovert. As much as I like occasionally being by myself, I do like people. And so it's been helpful to me to recognize, you know, I need to get on Voxer, which is like an app where you can talk to people and connect with people that way on a daily basis so that I can have that voice interaction with people or get on Skype with people or whatever, because that fills me up. And when I'm feeling drained, I know that I need some extrovert time. I need to connect with somebody. So just having sometimes a name to the different emotions that we feel and the needs that we feel can be really helpful to justify different actions that we need to take that we might otherwise think, oh, well, I really shouldn't get on Voxer because that's, that's not productive. I'm not getting my thing done. But that's what we need sometimes just to fill up our bucket as well. Yeah. So good stuff. So, and let's say somebody's listening and she is, she's working maybe part-time or full-time and she has a couple kids and she wants to start blogging. But one, it feels like it's this huge thing that she doesn't know where to start and that maybe the whole field is a little bit too crowded. If you were to go back in time right now, to start again with your blog, where would you start? What would you, what was it, what would be the first thing that you would focus your time and your energy on? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, just on, just on the writing, I think, you know, putting up good content and then making connections, not, you know, I don't mean like you pat my back, I'll pat yours connections, but the fun of blogging, and this was really surprising to me. Um, I started blogging because I wanted to write, but I had no idea like what a community um, blogging was. Mm-hmm. That really is why I stuck with it. Um, so you need to put up good content. So just to start practicing as soon as possible is what I would tell this woman because, oh my goodness, Kat, maybe it's just me, but have you gone back and read your early post? Oh. And, like, um Oh, my ones from three years ago are so terrible. <laughs> the sooner you start, the sooner you get that early stuff under your belt. And, you know, the learning curve works for you in a good way. It You get a lot better really fast. Um, so to start putting out content as soon as possible just to 
to get some, you know, ground under your feet, but also to start reaching out to other bloggers, leaving comments, you know, finding people on Twitter or Facebook or whatever your preferred thing is, because blogging is fun when you're doing it in community. And the sooner you build up that community, the more you're going to enjoy it. Um, you know, it's not fun to, to blog in isolation, even though people think like the bloggers just exist in their pajamas, <laughs> home, you know, behind the screen. Um, there's, there's a big um, connection possible that I didn't know about until I started, but I'm really grateful I found. I, th- I would 100% agree with those two things. I think those are the core. There can be so many different blogging tips and so many things that people should, they say people should focus on and work towards, and that can be distracting or easier than doing those two. But I would say I would agree with you 100% that those are the two core elements when you're getting started to focus on the writing and focus on the the friendships really is what they end up being. I think that's great. Yeah. And that completely took me by surprise. I had no idea. So I would even say that some of my, some of my dearest friends are people that I see maybe once a year Mm -hmm. and that, that are blogging friends that we connect every day on Voxer or on you know, some sort of social media site or something like that. And they've just become over the years, just very, very good friends. And I am just as surprised that that would be the case as well. Cause I, you know, I think in the very beginning you think, oh, well, you don't really make friends online. Those aren't real friendships, but just even as technology is advanced, those can be deeper friendships than just typing. Like, like I said, Voxer has been huge for me lately in different mastermind groups that I'm in. Just getting to know people and growing with those other bloggers, I think that's huge. So, And five years ago, I would have thought, you are crazy. <laughs> but yeah, me too. I totally get it. Definitely. So, Anne, will you tell everybody where they can find you online, on social media, all that? Yes, I am. My blog is modernmrsdarcy.com. And I love Twitter. That's my favorite place. I'm at Ann Bogle. And it's Ann with an E, B-O-G-E-L. And I'm on Facebook, Modern Mrs. Darcy, and Pinterest at the same. But Twitter's my favorite. Awesome. And that, that's awesome. I think that's another good tip for everybody who can glean something from that. Just knowing what your favorite is and not feeling like you need to be, everything needs to be your favorite, but knowing what your favorite social media platform is and focusing on that. I think that's a... That's another good tip right there. Um, I haven't spent as much time on it recently as I would like because um, life has been crazy. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm looking forward to getting back on there. Awesome. Well, Anne, I'm so glad that you could join us today. Thanks for sharing your story and your wisdom with us. And um, I hope to have you on again sometime in the future. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Awesome. Thanks, Anne. Bye, Kat. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this episode of the How They Blog podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, I'd love to know how I can help you. My goal for this show is to help you build a blog that makes a difference. You have words and wisdom that others need to hear, and it's my job to help you spread your message. So if you have any ideas, suggestions, or questions for me, just head over to howtheyblog.com, click the contact button, and send me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to share the love, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or a review on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, just visit howtheyblog.com forward slash love, and I'll show you how. As always, for all the show notes, more interviews, and other resources to help you grow your blog, head over to howtheyblog.com. And until next time, this is Kat Lee, and you've been listening to the How They Blog podcast.